This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 39, Worst Case Scenario. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, hey. <laughs> oh, man, it is good, good to be back. Yes. Holy crap. Yes. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's get that schedule back going. <laughs> I think that might be the longest. I'll talk about this more in, this more in our next podcast, but uh, I think that might be the longest break that I've ever had from podcasting. It feels wrong, doesn't it? It does. Yes, it, do- it feels dirty somehow. <laughs> not even, not, not good dirty, like it's bad dirty. Not like, ooh, that's dirty. More like dirty like you just worked outside on the lawn like, for hi, seven hours. Like, hi, I'm Mike Rowe, and here's some dirty. <laughs> dirty <laughs> exactly. Like Mike Rowe dirty. Not, yeah. An unending yeah. torrent, a relentless torrent of human waste. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, uh, before we jump into the episode, I've got to say that um, I was at the Phoenix Comic Con last week, week before Sweet. last. Yeah, week before last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I was at an. We've acad- just been gone that long. Yeah, I was at an academic conference in Phoenix, and across the street was, was Phoenix Comic Con. How awesome is that? It, it very. <laughs> it was very awesome. Yeah. It was I can't tell he's you. He's like, how. I wonder where the con is and he like looks out the window and he sees all the people in costume going <laughs> like, in. He's like, oh. Huh. <laughs> right <laughs> it's across the street, literally. So yeah, what I do is I pack my head full with the academic conference and then when I couldn't fit any more in my head, I would walk across the street. See, I packed my all out with the con. Yeah. Oh, it was great. You keep talking about having a full head. You said that earlier today. You're like, oh, my head is full. And I'm like, I know my head is full, too, because I've been so congested. Yeah, but your head's full of snot. I know. Mine's full of knowledge. I know. And that makes you superior. I know. (laughs) (laughs) And then then I don't have to deal with all the snot in my head, which I just blew out about like a quarter of a cup of it. So I'm all right. Mine is more fun to talk about, too. (laughs) I just wanted to point that out. (laughs) A little less grody. (laughs) Significantly less grody to talk about. So while I was there, first of all, thank you to Phoenix Comic Con for uh, being kind enough to offer media credentials. Yeah, uh, which allowed me to sweet. yeah to go and I saw your tag by the way today you never showed me it I saw it on your desk I was like that's awesome oh it's, yeah uh, it's got some cool art on it it's actually I, I don't know who did the art I'd really like to know um, yeah oh, it's, yeah, it's Amy by, Pond and a, a TARDIS it's and Miles it says on the back of it this is really name. awesome yeah and it, it is it, it's uh, yeah totally yeah it's very cool you know, I'll try. Maybe I should post a picture of this or something. But anyway, so thank you to them. Uh, I got to do a number of cool things, which I talk. I talked about a bit on GWC. But one of the thing uh, things that was really important to save Eureka, yes, is that uh, there were a number of Eureka guests there, like a bunch mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, they, he's Chuck is sending me these uh, like iPhone. Just he was pictures. Them to me too. I know. I was. He's like, oh, hey, look. And then there's Chuck standing there with Sally Richardson Whitfield, you know, <laughs> Colin Ferguson with his arm around Chuck and a big smile. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Ooh, Chuck got me an autograph too. I did. Really? I, yeah, I totally from Sally did. Richardson Whitfield. It was so cool. Nice. It was really cool. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I got to meet both of them. I got to hear uh, Sally Richardson Whitfield speak a bit. Uh, I wasn't able to go to the full Eureka panel because uh, two reasons. One, I had some some of the conference I had to attend was yeah, scheduled in. Yeah. But two, I felt a little bad using media credentials to go into the really popular panels because right, they are right. size limited and I feel crappy taking away a seat from somebody who paid, you know? Yeah. Um, That's good. 
Yeah. The, didn't you, know? you say the lady who played Beverly? And I'm sorry, I forget her name, but the lady who plays Beverly was there as yes, well, and you got to see absolutely. her. Absolutely, she was. Uh, there was a women of, women of sci-fi panel, which is becoming more popular, and uh, but Sally Richardson Whitfield had some really interesting and insightful things to say in that panel uh she she talked about it was funny because at one point uh, they asked the standard questions like who were some of your inspirations and hers uh was very much alien and oh uh, isn't that awesome yeah and sigourney weaver sigourney weaver and and uh yeah exactly the whole alien uh franchise and then it's cool that sigourney weaver has kind of become like a classic figure now i mean because i i remember when i was a kid i mean she was still this very kind of young like sort of up and coming person in the movies, you know, and now it's like, Oh yeah. People cite her as the reason they went into acting. And stuff. Right. Right. And, and yeah, exactly. And, uh, the other funny thing was, and I say funny, it's not funny, but it was very informative was the fact that, uh, one of the questions was, you know, what, uh, as a woman working in sci-fi as an actress actor, I guess they're all actors now, right. Is the common term. Um, what, are some of the things that have changed positively and are there still limitations? And if so, what are they like? And, and various people on the panel had, had limitations that they brought up, but uh, the most, I think, and one of the really kind of surprising things that she pointed out was she said, you know, if you think it's difficult being a a woman in sci-fi, try being, you know, a woman of color in sci-fi because like she pointed, she indicated that she had, uh, had auditioned recently for a part uh, in a show that would have she would have played a time traveler and they suggested that she simply wouldn't work for the part because she's black and if she had to travel to certain times in history it just wouldn't work no. and yeah how, what do you think about that one whoa that yeah that, that kind of Wow. <laughs> I know. I know. When Chuck told me that, my, my response was like, exactly wow. Hers. And then a couple seconds of silence. And then I was like, you know, it seems like well, there'd be a lot of limitations having a woman could. time travel. In or, you know, actually, that, that, that almost even came up even during Doctor Who, like um, when uh, Martha Jones yeah. was, uh-huh. was the doctor's companion and, yeah. and the doctor hid in the 40s. Right. Or the 30s or the late 30s or 40s. And it's like, you know, it's she she had to blend in as like one of the help to, to right. be close to him. I thought it was interesting. Her response was, or it could have been very interesting in terms of how you deal with that. And we could right. have looked at the, instead of avoiding the problem, yeah. we could have just addressed it and used it to inform the, the, the things we're writing. Or maybe you know? they could go read some Octavia Butler and realize <laughs> how it's done in sci-fi. Holy crap, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I was like, really? So, so the fact yeah, that, I mean, how many situations can you imagine where it would be difficult for a woman to be time traveling. I mean, basically, if she's traveling pretty much anywhere in any time, there's going to be some difficulty, you know? And I'm not exaggerating. I mean, I went to this great lecture recently where they were talking about how we we kind of romanticize history and talk about the good old days. But when it comes to the way, you know, women have been, you know, situated socially, there really wasn't a good old time. No. (laughs) Yeah. The uh, the other I, I took a, a picture with her of course uh, and, which was really cool uh, because I was there getting your autograph and it only cost a few dollars extra to do yeah that's cool. um, but but what I was really excited about for me was I got to meet uh, Colin Ferguson we've talked to him a couple of times and and you imagine him as this super nice guy who who uh, I think I think he is at the absolute top of my like we did that on GWC one time where we were asked who would you most like to like sit down and have a beer with? Yeah. I think he's like at the top of my list, you know, 
Just Why be- you didn't choose Cavill? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> no, cut not, on the other end of the spectrum. Not, not right? so much, you know. <laughs> yeah, but he just and and you know what he is. I mean, uh, there was this moment where you could tell each person he like worked to remember their name, which is hard because let's face it, that's that's not easy. There were a lot of people there, yeah, hundreds, thousands. And he probably. addressed everyone by their name the entire time he interacted with them. Uh, he he had this just this feeling of this genuine feeling that you that goes above and beyond what you're used to seeing there and uh, was just super cool. So I know everybody says that kind of thing about these people, but I, I can't describe quite how striking that was with him above and beyond the other people that we've, we've met. That's so. awesome. I, I think maybe I'll write a blog post about some of the people that we've seen that were just super gracious. Cause it's worth mentioning yeah. them, you know? Oh yeah. Cause jewel state was really impressive to me too. And I, I think it'd be cool to, Talk about some people like just, that. Just to put it in perspective, it's kind of entertaining. I'm always really bad at those things because I know I don't really have anything to say. And 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 the connection that I feel to them through the, the, the work that I've watched, it I know is not mutual, you know, and shouldn't be. Right. And and I, I don't want to make it real in that situation or make them have to pretend. So you try to deal with that. But it always ends up a little awkward for me and I'm always crappy at it. And uh, I was also trying to move on because there were a lot of people behind me and and it was a short time till they stopped. And, I, you know, you want to get as many of those people. <laughs> Come along now, Cage. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he didn't rush anyone, you know, but I kind of I kind of did my thing. And uh, um, and when he, he autographs first and then takes a picture, talks with you and all that kind of thing. So by the time we got done, you know, and I started to walk away, of course, I forgot the picture. Most of the time, you know, like one of the runners. Or yeah. Or something. Something. No, no, no. He did. <laughs> he just tops nice. out from behind. He's like, "Hey, Chuck," and comes back and is like, "Hey, you forgot this," you know. <laughs> like, hands it to me. That's awesome. But, That's awesome. And I don't think it was a, a game at all. It's just who he is, you know. So, well, I am so excited for you that you got to talk to them. It's really cool. And and, and on our behalf, is it of. just me or are these episodes just continuing to get awesome? Oh my! Did God. you happen to know that uh, Sally Richardson Whitfield directed this episode? Worst case scenario, oh, I did. Isn't yeah. that? I saw it. Wasn't that's awesome. It was really well done. Oh, yeah. And oh, my God, when they talk about I I remember Jamie Paglia said at the, you know, I think it was, was it at Comic-Con last year where they said, you know, this season is really going to be for the fans. Oh, and it is. You know, holy crap. Like (laughs) the the quotes, the movie references and stuff. Uh, Hang on a second while I whip this out. Excuse me while I whip this out. (laughs) Andy, Andy, Andy Sheriff. What was the other one? What was the one that Carter said? It was sort of like a pun. I'm trying to remember. Oh, he, he there was, were a couple. Yeah, though. just. I know. Premature evacuation. Yes, oh. it was a bad time for <laughs> premature evacuation. I was like, no. <laughs> and then they tried to deadpan it. That was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> which which uh, which Henry is awesome at. You know, I was really impressed with the way that Henry's handling Grace being gone. He's really just giving her a lot of room, a lot of respect. You can tell he loves her immensely and he doesn't, he doesn't think less of her or he's not letting go of her. He just really wants her to be comfortable. Right. But at the same time, you can see that having her not there, he's a little more uneasy about everything. Yeah. He's on edge about everything comparatively to uh, when she was there, which means that he really has grown to, to care about her in the time that since the, uh, the universe swap. That's awesome. Isn't it cool how Zane and Fargo, ever since the space episode, Zane and Fargo kind of have a connection. They're buddies. They are. 
Yeah, it the was least really likely, cool. You know? Yeah, it was so cool. He's <laughs> yeah. like, "Hey, I'm doing this for a friend," and I was like, "That's that's really cool." And then Fargo goes out of his way to say, "Look, Zane was was working for me. Don't 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 fault him." Hell yeah! I was thinking about how I was. I was a little bit disappointed with Joe. I have been you know, disappointed. Joe is Joe. just so ridiculously insecure. Yeah. And, you know, I was That's a well little. Said. I, yeah, it is. I hadn't I, thought I was that. a little disappointed in Allison as well for, for not coming clean sooner. But really, it's Joe who's been kind of making me just go, come on, you know, it, really, you know, you gotta, you gotta deal with this and you, you can't be so, I don't know, melodramatic in some ways. And, but I thought about it afterward too. I, I kind of mold on this for like a while after watching the episode. And I realized that that's how people really are. Like, that's yep. how I would be. Well, you know, I would be like Joe, as much as I would love to be like, you know, Grace or, or somebody who's like a lot more, you know, just, I don't know, stable and like admirable and, and good at handling things. And I don't know if maybe Grace isn't either, but you know what I'm saying? Like it occurred to me that what Joe is doing and her faults and everything are very realistic faults that. Yeah. Well, what, what I was thinking with that is that when I was thinking, watching the episode, I, the first thought I had was, wow, Joe is just so ridiculously insecure. But then you think about it and the change that she's been making in over the last season or so is to open up and to let things in and to learn to trust people. And so when she has something like, like Allison lying to her in Carter's body and it just completely takes the trust that she developed and stomps all over it, then yeah, she is going to be just so shattered about it because up until the last few years, she hasn't let let people (laughs) into her life in that manner. Oh, that's, that's really, so it's, it's very understandable. I'm not saying it's a, a bad thing when I say she's just ridiculously insecure. It's yeah, because this is the first time a lot of this is happening for her at this level of, you know, emotional attachment. No, I think that's a really insightful point. I hadn't thought of it just like Why, that. But thank I, you. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> you're absolutely right. And and of course, she would have kind of a regression, you know, when you get slapped. I mean, it was it was kind of harsh, you know, and it would be harsh if especially when she explained quickly, it went viral fast. But her motivation was because she didn't want it to turn into anything. So I think she felt like being upfront and saying, hey, you know, like I, I had kind of thought of it before, hadn't you? She wasn't coming on to him. She was saying, "There's this thing. We should just get it out of the way, so it's not a problem." And and when you look at it that way, it's like, yeah, I, I could see how she'd be. Yeah, if that was Carter's actual response, yeah, that not been... really, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that'd be that would have been terrible. But yeah, it's, I don't know. I've, I guess I can um, empathize with it because you know I'm just being kind of late into developing a social personality. Um, there were, there were times along the way where I tried to be more outgoing and it blew up in my face. And then oh, yeah. just because I was taking that extra leap and having it not work out and then going, Oh crap, what did I do? Right. And mm, yeah. she, she's, she's going through that kind of thing. I mean, it's, it's really her, her letting people in is very new for her. Yeah, she's like it's like she's working through it, and and yeah. you can see changes, but she hasn't found her place yet. Which I think is probably a good thing because I mean one of the complaints we we always had about her is that you know she was very kind of static of the the kind of strong 
you know, a detached person that just internalizes everything. And the fact that she's letting things get to her like that is maybe a sign that she's, uh, she's growing. Become, she's growing. Be, maybe becoming a, a better or different person, you know, whatever so it might be. Yeah, there was a, a little while back, I think you said that she was flaky and then, and then maybe adjusted that to like unpredictable. And I think that that yeah, actually fits in really well. Yeah. Because if, if someone is internalizing things and you, you can't really see what's going on in their head, you can't understand how they're interpreting everything and, and what they're thinking, then it would appear unpredictable on the outside. So, you know, whether she is or not, she appears that way because no one knows except her what's going on. Yeah. You know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Um, I noticed that when Joe is like being insecure or like mean Joe or like arms folded defensive Joe, she wears her hair like slick back in that ponytail. And then when she's like trying to open up and be like more vulnerable Joe, she wears her hair down. <laughs> Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I, I hadn't thought of that, but I think you're probably right. I, I can't think of an exception. So. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not bad. Yeah. I I I really I think I think Juan's absolutely correct. Like this this is hard right now, but this is a path to something better for Joe, which whatever she decides or wherever she ends up, it's going to be better than being in the middle which makes flaky. Yeah. At the, at, at any rate, it was still a terrible thing that Allison did to her. It was, and, and especially when at the when they first started having the conversation, she tried to cop out of oh, it. Like, no. well, I did tell you that another swap occurred. Yeah, <laughs> like, Joe calls her right out, and I was like, "Oh, come on!" You could tell you, when I was talking to you. <laughs> you know what that yeah. reminds me of? I, I hate to say this, but I'm going to. Uh, I used to play in a band with some guys, and one of the guys was really, really flaky, and mm-hmm. and he loved to like do whatever he damn well please, regardless of how it affected anyone else. And a lot of times his excuse would be like, like there'd be a situation where he'd be like, okay, we're, we need to meet at this time. Is everybody okay with that? And everybody's like, yeah, you know, and, and there's like six guys in the band, you know, and, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And then you get there and he doesn't show. And then he shows like 30 minutes late and everything's miserable because of it. And you, you get him afterward and you say, what the hell, dude? And he's like, well, well, I didn't say, okay. Uh, you know, it's like this, it's like one of those, like sort of, it's Technic- a, you are technically correct. The best <laughs> kind of correct. The best kind of correct. <laughs> you are technically a dick. The yeah. most dickish kind of dickishness. <laughs> the most dickish kind of dick. No, exactly. Um, but the but pinnacle that's, of douchebaggery. <laughs> that's I think you say the pinnacle of dickedness. <laughs> that's uh, uh, that's exactly what she was doing there. She's like, but but I told you that you know, knowing full well you yeah. she didn't get it. You know, it's like you know you. Well, didn't she tell. gave it up pretty fast. I mean, she did. And and for what it's worth, I wanted to say that I I feel like I can understand her reluctance to admit that because when by the time she did admit it. Not only had she done this thing that she recognized was relatively dumb. <laughs> she felt so foolish. And 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 Joe had, had, you know, everything just seems like, I don't know, it just seems like she was in a really crappy place. I wonder if you guys can help me out with something, because I was thinking about what Joe said in her toast. She said, to my very best friend who convinced a beautiful, intelligent woman to marry him anyway. And I was trying to 
figure out like what did that mean anyway like despite being my very best friend or no, she was, I think it was jab it was a fun sideways jab at, at Carter you know she and Carter are buddies and buddies like poke at each other like that yeah. you know and that's what she did she that's was like I, she was like well, my best friend you know who who got a really cool woman to marry him even though he's who he is you know? oh okay that's well, and it also harkens back to earlier in the episode where she's confronting him on like you know I, I i threw my heart out there and and then you 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 know ripped me a new one and he's like no no i'm i'm not playing the idiot here i really have no idea what you're talking about it's kind <laughs> of that playing dumb. i am dumb <laughs> yeah. and she's like you really are aren't you? <laughs> yeah funny. exactly there you go that, that yeah that was a cool moment Mm-hmm. That was that was awesome. I love how the story and the interactions always seem to drive directly to the core of the characters in Eureka. Yeah, we got to talk about Fargo. And yeah. how many people? How, how, how many of you guys thought that when Holly first turned around that she'd be like a derezzed uh, monster? That would just be too mean. I yeah, I, I worried. I worried. I was like, oh no, be... oh no, oh no. Okay, sorry. It's not Eureka. <laughs> I'm still kind of wondering. She she seems like herself, but I don't know. Like almost a little bit on the naive side. Like like she's not. I don't know. It's like, hard to tell because yeah, the character herself is somewhat naive in that way. So yeah, like her her personality comes across it, that way, even though she she's almost, really intelligent. She, she almost looks numb. Which being dead, you know, would probably do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's just weird, you know. It's like I, I can't really get a sense yet of how much of her consciousness, if it's not all there, you know, or if it is. Because well, she, uh, like, she didn't seem to really notice. Like when he disappeared, she'd be like, oh, where'd you go? And, you know, it was almost like she wasn't completely aware of what was going on. Well, maybe, maybe I don't know what, what I mean, the, the next episode that we'll watch after this has to do with it, but... um if Zane did say that it was a partial render. And right. I mean, even though Fargo's like, it's her, it's her, it's her. I mean, a lot of that could be wishful thinking. I mean, they really only did have two or three conversations and it's not really enough to know. Right. Like, is, is this just like the, the emotions of her left over and, and maybe, you know, the rest of her's not there. Like what, what, what really has been the damage of, you know, dying and being trapped in a computer done to her. So I, I don't know. I like the way I like the way that Carter kind of comes at it where Carter is like, man, you know, we've had people like all these things have happened, you know, that that this is not that far out. The fact that it could be her is certainly not out of the realm of Eureka reality. Right. You know, she could not might not be too, but boy, it could happen. I'm still worried for Fargo. It, Me too. It's interesting like the whole kind of um, Caprica type thing. I mean, because I mean, the precedent to this was Caprica, you know, yeah. the idea of the guy's daughter existing in this matrix kind of thing. Well, she pretty much did though. Yeah. I never wound up getting through Caprica, but I, I didn't, I mean, I, it's, think I, finished I, did. it, but. I got I, all the I, way through. I, I got to look at, at, I mean, without having an, an end plan, like if, if she's dead, I mean, what, what's the, What's the long-term plan here? Uh, what What is Fargo really going to do here? Is he just going to, you know, attempt well, he, to... He could you lose know, her again, you know? I mean, yeah, that would, well, that, that's what I'm worried about, is that this isn't really a solution. I he think, went in there to say goodbye, and now he doesn't seem to... 
Oh, I had such a bad feeling when he was like, hey, you know, even if it's not her, saying goodbye is enough. And I just thought, no, it's not. It's not going to be. He's not going to be able to say goodbye. And he didn't. Yeah. I I have a strong feeling that, you know, there's a I feel like there's a 5% chance that it's really her and she's alive and they'll get her out. And a 95% chance that he's going to lose her again in there. Yeah. Because it can't I, I don't go know. on forever. I don't know how much those two are connected. I think it probably is her. I don't think they'd be able to save her. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Which is going to be even worse. Like if it was just like, oh yeah, it was just, you know, whatever was in her brain at the time of death. And, you know, it was just a blah, 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 techno babble, techno babble. It's not really her. Then it's a little bit more easy for her to, for, for Fargo to say, oh, okay, well, she was really gone. But if it's that, you know, if it comes down to it, like like it did in the previous episode, where you know we could save Holly or we could save the town, you know, what are we gonna do? Then, then that I think that's that's worse for him. And we're already seeing that. You know, it's like Zane constructed this this you know force field to stop it so that they could do the secret research. You know, who knows what the end of it can be here? But yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of telling stories like this is is you know looking to convey additional meaning in them and one of the ways you can kind of see that i guess i look at this not as much like just what is going to happen or why would they do this in terms of what they're going to do next but also why would they do this in terms of what they want you know what they're trying to express to us through the story and and this idea of of her returning where it's possibly not her and and there's a possibility of losing her again, it really makes you think about that process and about what it means, what you really do lose. And and this kind of makes you look at it in a way that you never could in real life because you would never have an opportunity to, say, interact with part of a person that died. You know, yeah. it's just right. it doesn't I mean, that- happen. So it makes you wonder what parts mean what to you and, and to break it down in ways that you maybe never thought about breaking it down before. Yeah, I mean, I guess the closest that you could come to is is um, like recordings and photographs of of people that are gone. That's true, and and kind of just getting lost in reviewing the the past. Um, I guess uh, you know. I mean, we also come back to the the whole Henry story of why he went. He you know he did all the bad things Hi. to go back in time. Right? Is that when push comes to shove, what's Fargo going to do to protect protect uh, what? you know, right now is, is a dead Holly. We maybe, I mean, I, I think we have to be certainly in Eureka terms, less free with the whole dead thing because people right. have gone in and out of computers before in Eureka. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. I, I'm just saying right now there, there doesn't seem to be a solution yet. Uh, maybe yet. Yeah. <laughs> but again, Henry had a solution that didn't quite work out. Either. And this one might not either. Yeah. Totally. Right. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying is that it could come down to that same kind of choice. And, you know, Henry was obviously willing to risk everything. What's Fargo going to do? How is he going to deal with this? And I'm just worried for the guy. Yeah. yeah you know, one, I was going to ask if you, I don't know if you remember, cause it was, I think, I was young. I know you were young, but maybe like in 91 or something. Do you remember, Chuck, when Natalie Cole, I think it was on the Grammys, did that duet with uh, Nat King Cole, who had I passed do. away? But totally. Yeah. Nope. Um, I mean, and it was unforgettable, right? And they, they sang it as a duet. And that was when you're talking about what's the closest we can get to kind of interacting with our, our lost loved ones. 
and it makes me think of all the different um, sci-fi sort of ways like the, you know this is one of those awesome things about sci-fi that you try to tell people who don't really have a lot of experience with it as a genre you know you're like you know you can explore uh, things in a way yeah, you can't otherwise you can yeah. explore these human scenarios and human emotions and, and things that would really affect us and may someday affect us as people and and tap into very real feelings by doing these scenarios like um you know coincidentally chuck and i just i think it was last night or was it this morning uh, it was today we watched um, the episode of Stargate Atlantis where they're dealing with um, Carson Beckett, you know. And, oh yeah. You know, so I won't I won't go into more detail if people haven't seen it, but um, it's a similar situation. We've seen it in, um, you know, other other Trek. You know, there was. Well, even gosh, in Stargate, the the, the time SG-1, loop guy. Yeah, the guy who wanted to try to save his wife and. Yep. Um, Window of opportunity. Yeah. yeah. One that's of my right. Favorite that's episodes. right. Yeah, that's how, <laughs> how far is that? That's got to be a record. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how many I'm times have we seen you set know this loop out the, the <laughs> people the people who maybe are most uh, you know the ones who are dangerous are most dangerous when they are doing it because they lost someone and the ones which who, again may, may I'm sorry to interrupt but I mean which again makes us think about what do what do people like that mean to us and and where death is in our you know, in our world, pretty damn final. Un- unlike comics and, you know, a lot of sci-fi, death is death in the real world. When people are dead, they're dead. And, and but what would we do? How far would we go to bring them back? And what does that say about how we feel about those people, you know? And if, yeah, I, and if I you guess think about... Could either, that could also kind of spread into the, uh, you know, like a, a loved one that is in, in, a, in the hospital and has been in a car accident and is brain dead but is still on life support is I, I don't know. I, 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 I think the right, same though. kind of emotional context ties into that. And it, yeah, that's, it makes yeah. you think about that. What yeah. parts are important and why, you know? Yeah. And then that goes back to really, you know, like basic kind of humanities questions. Like, you know, do you believe in a soul? You know, do you believe that the essence of a person, whether it's a soul or not, do you believe that the essence or the personality are stored physically, chemically in the brain? Or are they somehow separate from the brain and they can't exist without the brain? Or, you know, like, and even is it possible you, to take it out of a body and have it still be itself? And or? even regardless of how you feel about that, how do you feel about the functions that you assign to that soul, whether or not they're coming from that or somewhere else, you know, how do you feel about that? I hope on that day you will pick up the phone. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Audra with the awesome pull ever. (laughs) The Futurama. Oh, that was the one. Rings are stupid. (laughs) It was. That was awesome. Yeah. But nah, sci-fi is just about spaceships and explosions, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Pop Tart Rainbow Poo Cats. <laughs> I I sent Audra the happy Thor's Day. Yay! That was uh, awesome. Yad Cat. It's it's a eight bit Thor riding the Yad Cat. <laughs> oh hell yeah. Audra now has her Nyan Cat shirt. Yes. Nice. I got my I just got my um my Think Geek order, so I All got right. my my rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock shirt. Awesome. Oh, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. The number of professors who have that on their door at, nice. at, at college, are, are, it's very high. Ooh, it's I, should, high I should put that on my it, door. <laughs> I have it on my cubicle at work. <laughs> <laughs> See? Nice. Nice. It is everywhere. 
as it should be, as it should be. Now, this was this was a really, uh, you know, the Howie's sort of, I, I make him finger quotes here, return such that it is or will be. Uh, it's very Eureka. And every time I think, wow, why would Eureka do this? Pretty soon, I know why. Yeah. You know, Eureka has never, ever deviated from its kind of mission of of that that feel creating that feel of family and and that connection and exploring the relationships between people and that is the core of the show never deviated from it so anytime you see something and you think what are they doing just wait you know i would be really shocked if they were to deviate from it in this end run yeah i i was thinking about you know when you're talking about family when we see kind of backwards a little bit when we see uh, Joe, who's been like knocked out by that ammonia gas that keeps popping up randomly, and she's like, oh, crap, every time. Um, but we see Allison watching Carter attend to Joe's you know, injuries, and basically he's got his hand on her forehead, and he's kind of you know, leaning in to make sure she's okay. And you can just see Allison just suffering because she loves him so much, and she just can't shake the feeling that you know she might lose him. And but you're right. It just it comes back to those ties and and love and family and really really cool. I'm I'm so glad that they've stuck with that all the way through. I just you am- know and didn't go astray from it or astray is from it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone look cuter in the world or sweeter than Felicia Day? Hugging Fargo in the middle of that empty street and the the camera, it's like one of those crane shots that kind of pulls back and upward and she's got her little cardigan and her skirt and her little Mary Jane shoes. I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. it's Penny. It is. (laughs) It is. You're so right. She's she's drawing, going to the Penny well for the role. Oh. And she died there too. I know. That's rough. (laughs) Ouch. Uh Uh-oh. Well, guys, you got anything to uh, add at the end here wrapping up? No, uh, just I really enjoyed it. This was a deep episode and there was a lot of, um, you know, heavy stuff in it. But I I still had a lot of fun. I thought the humor in it was awesome and all those, you know, goofy references. And just, you know, Andy going, excuse me while I whip this out was (laughs) one of the best moments in Eureka ever. So was just so happy all the time. (laughs) (laughs) This is why I hated evil Andy so much in the Matrix. <laughs> I know, it was just wrong. That should have been an indicator right there. Mm-hmm. This yeah. can't be real. Evil Andy, Andy wrong. Not, not, yeah, exactly. Juan, anything to add here at the end? Uh, no, just really excited. We have uh, new episodes all the way till the, at least the end of June. So. <sighs> awesome. Woo-hoo! I'm really looking forward to you know catching up and, and getting the follow-up on this one. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes all right well we'll see you probably before next week because i think we're gonna try to catch up we better <laughs> from everyone here at save eureka and gwc thanks for listening if you'd like to watch eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom visit us at galacticwatercooler.com We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. 
Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate. 